This podcast contains strong language, sexual references, and terrible advice. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony R. It's time for Agony R. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony R. Well, Agony R is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony R a call. Welcome to Agony Art, the Agony Aunt podcast in which we try to solve your problems, not with our own wisdom, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. Or failing that, just by recommending books, films and music for you to enjoy. My name is Aaron, I'm our resident book lover, and I'm joined by, in fact, you called me a book bison a few episodes ago, Carl, <laughs> and I think I'm going to adopt that permanently. <laughs> I am our resident book bison, and I'm joined by Carl our cinematic summarizer, and Liam, our rock and roll recommender, (laughs) in our studio in one of my spare bedrooms. Say hello, lads. Hello. I'm also living here as well in the spare bedroom. (laughs) So, lads, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in season three, and we're still not advertising on this podcast. And Mm. I've been a bit worried about it recently, to be honest, because A, we need to start making income because, you know, this is in negative it's funny you said that, Aaron, because recently I needed to make a website and I've gone to space. <laughs> <laughs> is that what they do? I don't know. <laughs> well, this is the thing, Carl. So I think it would benefit us if we showed advertisers how good we could be. Oh, I think I they just doubt our, they doubt our abilities at the moment. They've, they're sitting in there in Advertising Tower listening to this podcast thinking they've definitely got the audience they're definitely they yeah, just, they're definitely listening they just this is money they just haven't got the skill so we need to demonstrate to them i think that we would be good at advertising so i've got a script right and i'm going to give it out to you guys and we're going to you know show these advertisers what we can do let's do it you know what what i want you to think about while we're doing this is advertising on podcasts normally sounds so conversational doesn't it you know mm. put your mind in the <laughs> Put yourself in the mind of a podcaster. Are you telling me you don't believe those conversations are real conversations? I don't believe these people have ever used these products or even seen them or even heard of them before those mm. advertisers approach them. No, they've definitely laid on the mattress for 90 days and <laughs> they have a better back as a result. Well, let's see. Let's see if we can be as convincing as that. Okay. So the ones I'm giving out to How you... How many pages have you printed? Because we want it to be conversational and natural, we're not going to know each other's lines. So all you know is your lines, everything else everyone else says will be a surprise to you. There you go, Carl, there's your script. Are you ready? Yep. So it's got to sound really natural. Okay. I'll tell you what, I feel full of energy today, lads. There's nothing better than getting a good night's sleep. You know me, Aaron, I bloody love getting in bed. Any time of day, any day of the week, I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah, I love it too. Trouble is, it always leaves me a really sore arse. Oh, got that right, Carlo. And it's all thanks to these Maureen mattresses we've been trying out for the last few months. Do your wives love them as much as mine does? Yep, and because of that, I find it near impossible to sit down at all these days. My wife just has to look at that mattress and she falls asleep on the spot. You've made, <laughs> you've made a very lucky escape there. Aaron and I are in big trouble, all because of our mammoth sessions. Y- yep. <laughs> And it's all thanks to our friends at Maureen, who make the only mattress you'll ever need for the rest of time. Actually, Carl, can yeah. I look at your script? Because I think, I think something's happened here. Oh, shit. I didn't realise, but I've given you the wrong script. This was for a different advert. Uh, let me have a look at my scripts. You got more than one advert? Oh, shit. I haven't got your part for this advert. So I'm going to give out the ones... Is it on the thing? Our ones for that advert. Okay. All right, let's, let's try again with the new scripts. So I've handed them out. So, Liam, I've noticed you keep yawning today. Were you out last night? Yeah, sorry, I went to the theatre. I saw that new Wagga Christie musical. It's nearly three hours long, and I didn't get to bed till midnight in the end. I do love going to the theatre, though, especially when the show has that much drama. Yeah, I love it too. Trouble is, it always leaves me with a really sore ass. Me too! Let me guess, Carl, these podcasting chairs, these hard podcasting chairs and these long recording sessions have given you humongous hemorrhoids like they have for me. 
Yep. And because of that, I find it near impossible to sit down at all these days. Sounds like I was lucky to escape Farmer Giles. Must have natural immunity. You've made a lucky escape there. Aaron and I are in big trouble, all because of our mammoth sessions. Yeah, but luckily our friends at Arcerol have given us a whole box of hemorrhoid cream, along with a guarantee that one application a day will have cured your piles within a week. Amazing stuff. And the amazingness doesn't stop there. Our listeners can buy a tube of Arcerol with 50% off by using the code AGONYARSE at checkout. <laughs> so get your piles sorted today by going to Arcerol's website and using the code AGONYARSE for 50% off. Sort out your ass with Arcerol. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant <laughs> I think we got the gig so advertisers get in touch if you want to uh, pay us some money will we do anything for the right money Carl I would do anything for less than the right money <laughs> <laughs> I'm anyone's now before we begin I want to make it very clear that we're not here really here to solve your real life problems all of our submissions are certified 100% trivial and or fictional pickles and our advice should almost never be followed we're really here to have fun, so if you're having a hard time, please check out our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So, now we've got that out of the way, let's get on with it. Here's our first problem of the day. I've sneakily been using puppy training techniques on my child when my wife isn't around. They just seem to make sense. Reward good behaviour and punish bad behaviour. Am I fucking up my child? Isn't... Isn't this just standard parenting? I'm looking at you, Carl, because I know that you have a dog and a child. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell the difference well, between When them, we Carl? say sit, they both sit. It's, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what room they're in. Yeah, but when your wife says it, all three of you sit. I sit as well, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah, risk and, risk and reward? No. <laughs> would you bet your child? I would, yeah. Oh, I think it is. it, I, it could be lazy parenting like if you do this you'll get dessert if you do this you'll get ipad time but it's also easy and i'm not saying that we don't resort to it because sometimes you just have to be lazy you know so uh mm. i wouldn't but use is that the same as puppy training techniques because you can't really prom- promise anything to a puppy can you I no but they they learn they learn that if you do this you'll get this yeah if you do this you'll get a treat mm. It's got to be something in it for them. They don't want to do anything unless there's something in it for them. Mm. Uh, so, for non-regular listeners, we anonymise our pickles by making up a name for each person. So, who is this person? Who's got a dog? The Punisher. <laughs> the Punisher. All right. <laughs> Has he got a dog? I don't know if he's got a dog, but no, you think he, punish- John Wick. he does punish bad behaviour. He does, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was John Wick. What about John Wick? <laughs> John Wick the Punisher. <laughs> Who wants to help John Wick the Punisher first? Liam, go on. Yeah, all right then. Um, on, a, on a briefly almost serious note, I do think there are studies about frequent punishing of bad behaviour not actually being very effective. So maybe you should think a bit more before you go about punishing next time. And you might be fucking up your child in that sense. I'll leave you to do your own research on that because I'm not an expert. So, you know, don't take my word for it. <laughs> but... There you go. Advice from Liam. Never punish your child. <laughs> <laughs> um... I did. I did want to uh, have, a, have, a, have a little bit of a tangent because I don't feel like we've had enough from this episode yet. <laughs> yeah. And have a little bit of something we've not done for a while. A game show. So, Aaron and Carl, welcome to Kid or Canine. <laughs> this is the game show in which I give you a celebrity name and then another name, which is either their dog... Or their child. You have to tell me which one it is. Do you think, Aaron, that we might know all these and Liam thinks it's really weird because he's not in touch with like popular culture? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am 100% expecting that to happen. <laughs> so some some of them are obscure, intentionally so, because I thought that you might actually know a lot of them. Aaron, you can go first. All right. I'm going to name a celebrity, just to remind you, and then I'm going to give you a name of either their canine or their kid. I'm ready. Question one, Orlando Bloom and Flynn. Flynn Rider. Um, child. Correct. So one point to Aaron. Oh, I need to write this down. Carl, Reese Witherspoon and Minnie. Uh, dog. That's her French bulldog. 
Carl, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> How did you know that? Uh, <laughs> did you know that? No. <laughs> the power of Instagram. Mini, mini Pearl Witherspoon is Reese Witherspoon's French bulldog. Aaron, Joe Biden, and Bo. I'm going to say dog. I'm afraid, Aaron, you are incorrect. Joseph oh, no. R. Bo Biden the third is Joe Biden's son. <sighs> Sounds like an American Idol contestant. <laughs> Bo Biden. Mm. Who is a dog? <laughs> <laughs> Carl. Mm. Famous guitarist from U2, The Edge. Oh, God. Blue is the name. I'm going child. Blue Angel, don't know her surname, is... His daughter, born edge, in 1989. The Edge. Blue Angel Edge. His, his name is The. Yeah. <laughs> Doing well so far, Carl. Thank you. Two points to you. Aaron, The Weekend and Caesar. Dog. Yes. Rough. <laughs> Caesar is The Weekend's Doberman Pincher. Carl. Yes. Frank Zappa and Diva. I'm going dog. I'm afraid it ah. is his daughter, born in 1979, Diva Thin Muffin Piggine Zapper. <laughs> <laughs> thin Muffin. <laughs> I'm on a diet. I'll just have a Thin Muffin. <laughs> Frank Zappa's quite famous for having uh, is he a guitarist children or something? with... Yeah, we'll see. He's a musician. I should know more about him, but I don't. Okay. But he's definitely famous. <laughs> um, I thought he was one of those bug lights. <laughs> Zap. <laughs> I, think, I think he has a, another child called Moon Unit. Moon Unit? Yeah. I think that's him. <laughs> Which <Moon> unit? <laughs> I was going to say, it's EG unit. <laughs> Aaron. See, this is one of the ones that you might just know. 50 Cent and Oprah. I don't know that. Uh, I'm going to say child. Why not? Oprah Winfrey <laughs> is 50 Cent's schnauzer. What? <laughs> I was going to say, you can't disrespect Oprah by calling your dog Oprah, but <laughs> apparently you can. Uh, yeah, apparently they had quite a lot of beef back in the day. Um, uh, there was, I think she... And he won the beef by calling his <laughs> schnauzer Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. And also, you love your dog, so why would you name it after someone you hate? As yeah. Just because he wanted to imply that she was a dog. That is pathetic. Um, he also has a cat named Gail after her best friend. After Gail Platt. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the beef's died down now, and 50 Cent is like, yeah, I like Oprah. Aaron. Nick Jonas and Diana. Uh, ch- dog. Chai dog? Chai dog. Chai Yeah, you are right. Diana is Nick Jonas's chihuahua. Ah, yeah. So you get a point. Didn't Aaron just do the 50 cent one? You give him two shots there. Did I? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Then, Aaron, Cole, you get the last two. Two shots, two kills. Cole, if you get these two right, yeah. you win the game. Wow. If you get one right, <laughs> you draw the game, and I don't have a tiebreaker, so you both win. Wow. If you get one wrong, and then the next one wrong, you lose. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> I know Kung Fu Cole <laughs> Matthew Perry And Alfred That's his butler <laughs> Butler I'm going butler <laughs> um, Let's go Child uh, Alfred is Matthew Perry's Golden Doodle Carl uh, Not the Golden Doodle <laughs> very, very cute Golden Doodle As well I must say Finally Liam went from One spot of time Scared of dogs To now loving dogs By the way Scared, scared of history. one dog yeah, but it's ruined I can't believe I can't believe how many agony art episodes we've had this conversation in. <laughs> Carl accusing Liam of being scared of dogs, and Liam saying, "No, it was just one dog." Funny enough, that's my next quiz. How many episodes have we mentioned it in? <laughs> how many dogs is Liam scared of? You know, it's funny as well. I think they've all been in this series. <laughs> <laughs> well, you keep bringing dogs up, you're shit scared of them. <laughs> one dog, Carl. <laughs> I've never seen you this scared. Just talking about dogs. Right. Aaron has three points. Oh, Cole, for the draw, you have two points. So wow. for the draw, Bob Geldof and Fifi. I'm gonna go dog. Fifi, Trixabel Geldof, oh. born in 1983, is Bob Geldof's daughter. Carl, I'm sorry, Ooh, Aaron. Of Fifi, you take no, it. Me neither. I take it. What do I take? A free uh, dog. You win. <laughs> A child. Matthew Perry's dog. <laughs> Matthew Perry's dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll DM him. I'll just give him Where's my address. Where's my doodle? <laughs> Where's my doodle, bitch? <laughs> so how does this help John Wick the Punisher? Absolutely doesn't. That was just for fun. <laughs> Absolutely doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah, getting back to John Wick the Punisher. I do think you need to be careful here, mate, because I've never called any of our pickled mate before. That felt a bit weird. They're not our mates, Liam. Don't yeah. let them get too close. Yeah, because they always disappoint you. <laughs> um, kids go through a lot, though, 
John Wick the Punisher, so I do think you need to be careful. And there's one song that really hammers this fact home. Do both of you remember the classic 1993 hit? Mmm. I do. By the Crash, By the crash Test, test dummies. dummies. Yes. It's the one that goes... Mm-hmm. It's called... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you two all right? <laughs> <laughs> Recorded and released in 1993. Each verse of this song tells a story about a different child and their struggles growing up. So Aaron, In the form of... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, you're probably not going to enjoy this pop quiz since you don't know this song. Cole, can you remember any of the struggles... Documented in this song. No. <laughs> I thought you were about to sing the whole thing. <laughs> I only know the mm bit. So verse one, there's a kid in a car accident. Yeah, was a kid. That's exactly how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, that's it. Once I was a kid. Is that how it goes? Once there was this kid. Verse one. First one, there's a kid, and he's a normal kid in school, but he's in a car crash, and he's off school for ages, and when he finally returns, his hair is completely white, where it used to be black, and it's implied, maybe, that people make fun of him for it, not sure. Verse two, there's a young girl, and she don't want to get changed with the other girls, and no one knows why. They make her get changed in front of everyone, and... That's really bad. Her body's covered Mm. in birthmarks, and she's obviously, like, really embarrassed about it. Verse three... A kid is made to come home directly after school with his parents and they go to a Pentecostal church. And when they get there, they're speaking in tongues and writhing around on the floor. So when it came out, this song was really successful. It was number four in the US, top five in the UK, number one in a bunch of other countries that I didn't write down. And I don't, I've never fucking heard You've of it. You've never fucking heard of it. You're making it up as you go along. This is number one in the world forever. <laughs> this is still number one. And Aaron hasn't heard of it. Do you remember well, when Borat was speaking in tongues? Yeah, I do Great remember scene, that. Yeah. I think it was in Bolak. <laughs> but maybe the reason you haven't heard of it, Aaron, is that it hasn't aged so well. In uh, some year that I didn't yeah, write Aaron down. really tries to avoid... Um... <laughs> like, when people recommend an album, I'm like, how well is it aged, though? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, a fine wine or like a glass of milk? <laughs> anyway, uh, what was I saying? It's <laughs> number one in the world. VH1 hmm. made a list of the top 50 most awesomely bad songs ever. And this came in at number 15. Uh, I was saying it didn't age so well. Although, there's a couple of couple of lists here, and I'm I'm going to call them out a little bit, because some of the other songs in the list they called Awesomely Bad are actually pretty good tunes. So, Don't Worry, Be Happy at number nine. What? Mm. Number eight. Ricky Martin, She Bangs. I mean, I get it if you don't like it, but it's not an awesomely bad song. There's nothing it? bad about that song. No. It's a tune. It's a banger. Eddie Murphy's Party All The Time. My girl likes to party all the time. Oh. Party all the time. Eddie party Murphy. All the time. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, comedian, actor. Eddie Murphy did that song. Singer. What the fuck? Number four, Rolling by Limp Biscuit. Rolling, rolling, what you, rolling. What are they rolling? rolling in? A joint. I think. I or thought cars. they were in a car. Yeah. Just rolling around. What's wrong with that? Don't know. Yeah. You know and what, you know what number rolling, one, this is the most outrageous. Sorry. You know what rolling makes me think of every time? The Undertaker. Riding dirty. <laughs> oh, yeah, they see Just me they, rolling. I always wonder, though, what do they mean by riding dirty? Because it seems to me like that would mean driving having shat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um, the police trying to catch them driving around with, like, a gun or something. Having shat themselves. <laughs> Sir, have you shat yourself? <laughs> you step out of the car, please. I'm not riding dirty, I swear. Actually, step back into the car, please. <laughs> that is awful. <laughs> Shit smeared license and registration. <laughs> Sorry, Liam, go on. Number mo- one. No, the most outrageous thing about this list, number That's one. That's a great way to not get pulled over. <laughs> get pulled over and say, sir, I just shit myself. Do you want to go through with this? You should, like... That's true, yeah. Number one. That advice. <laughs> Number one on the list, Carl. Carl, do you want a drink? <laughs> <laughs> no, carry on, you. The most outrageous thing about this list. Who's this VH1? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> go on, You're going to moan at me for taking ages no, in a minute, on, and I'm not going to stand for it, right? I wasn't even trying to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> the most outrageous thing about this list, in at number one, 
Starship, we built this city. Oh, what a tune. What a tune. That's disgraceful. So VH1 can fuck off. Rolling Stone, they also made a list of the most annoying songs. They also put it at number 15. Ah. These are the songs they thought were more annoying. Oh, God. Blue by Eiffel 65. That is annoying. Really I mean, annoying. it's a bit annoying, but I don't hate it. I don't when be- I was a kid, I used to be terribly scared of death. I used to be obsessed with it when I was a kid. And I didn't like that song because I thought he was saying, I'm blue and I believe I will die. Is that why That's you don't it, like yeah. it now? No, I don't like it now because it's shit. I, I believe that I will die. Just yeah. put it out there. Do you believe you will die? I, I'm going to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to avoid it as best as I can, Carl. Yeah, no, sorry, carry on. Number 12, Tub Thumper by Chumbawamba. Oh. Friends of the show. No, friends of the show, yeah. yeah. Everybody needs a bosom for yeah, a pillow. Yeah, you can knock them down, but they'll get back up. Exactly. Is so that they, they weren't too bothered. Number 10. Is bosom for a pillow in that song? No, that's uh, Karma Room 45. Full of Asher. Oh, fuck. Karma 45? What? I fall 65. <laughs> <laughs> Studio 54. I don't know what happened to my brain just then. Area 51. <laughs> Maybe that, is that the name of the album? No. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> God. Shop, I'm boy. blaming you, Carl. <laughs> Number 10, Believe by Cher. Good song. Number 8, Wanna Be by the Spice Girls. Where are we going with this, by the way? Uh, just Rolling Stone, Don't Like Pop Music. He's <laughs> just listing songs. Just keep listing songs. Yeah. Said, yeah. Number six, Mambo. Number five, number four, My Heart Will Go On. Number three, Who Let The Dogs Out. I love Who Let The Dogs Out. Yeah. And number one, My Humps by Black Eyed Peas is the most annoying song of all time according to Rolling Stone. What I'm saying is VH1 and Rolling Stone can go fuck themselves. Why why are you making these lists that are just yeah, like based on one person's opinion and won't appeal to everyone? <laughs> yeah, but these are stupid anyone. lists anyway. I hate all of this shit. I follow Women's Health for some reason on Instagram <laughs> and it's, everything they post on Instagram is 21 reasons why your vagina feels weird this month and 65 things you'll notice How is your vagina your- feeling? <laughs> It's all right. It's okay. Uh, 65 reasons why your relationship is dying or whatever. And it's like, who the fuck is reading this? Like, who's writing it for a start? And who is reading it? And like, a lot of things they do is like, um, I had morning sex for a month. Here's what I found out. And it's like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care out? what... Exactly. So yeah, so list yeah. is shit, Lee. And what's your point? The lists are just dog shit. They, yeah. And that's the way that publications try and keep themselves alive these days. So number four will shock you. Innit? John Wick, <laughs> yeah. the Punisher, needs yeah. to avoid lists. That's part of the point. <laughs> Don't make any lists for your kids. And remember that children go through traumas. Kids can go through a lot of trauma and it can be very scarring for them. We know this. And you don't want your kid's hair turning white, do you? No. So I reckon... Because then they'll be like that bloke from Back to the Future. Exactly. Your kids, your kids money. money. We've got to do something about your kids. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Uh, the Jungle Book, Rudyard Kipling. It's a collection of stories starring the man cub Mowgli and his animal friends, Baloo, Ricky Tiki Talvi, and uh, uh, he wasn't in the film. I was going to say. He's a ferret, I think. Ferret? Yeah, adapted many times, actually. Most famously by Disney in 1967. One of my favourite Disney films, top five. What would you say, lads? Are you agreeing or? Yeah, good film. They actually re- have remade that film three more times. Did you know that, Disney? This is the... Th- they remade it in 2016. Are you including Hook? No, they remade The Jungle Book three times. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I remember that they did two live-action versions. So, yes, they did the big one in 2016, the um, copyright extension one, mm. starring Bill Murray, Ben Kingsley. But that was the third live-action remake that Disney had tried. In 1994, they did one, directed by Stephen Summers, starring Jason Scott Lee. Was, was that the one that wasn't a musical? Probably. I don't know. I haven't seen it. It's got Lena Headey in it, though. No. I don't yeah. know that. Sam Neill. Lena Headey is um, Cersei. Cersei, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sam Neill is Sunglasses Man from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Sunglasses Man. That's the only scene he's in in Jurassic Park. And John Cleese. No. Oh. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Why is the Chicago Sun-Times such a big... Roger Ebert's the big guy. Yeah, is he just yeah. is he keeping them famous Basically, with his yeah. lists? He's died now, but he's, he's, he's now RogerEbert.com, which is a huge ah. movie um, critic. Said the film has so little connection to Rudyard Kipling or his classic book that the title is beyond explanation. Wankers. And in that 1994 one, the animals don't talk. Yeah, yeah, I think that is, yeah. And then they remade it again in 1998 called The Jungle Book, Mowgli's Story. And this was more to do with the book, but 
big plot points were changed from the original in 1967. And in this one, the animals talk, but their mouths don't move. Mm. Bit weird, isn't How do you know it? they're yeah. talking and not thinking then? Exactly. It might be telepathic communication. Mm. We're not sure. The thing is, suspending <clears throat> belief in films like that is always better in animation because you already suspend your belief, right? Mm. Live action just... Like you'd rather it was CGI animals than real animals just standing there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. about puppets? Oh, if they could do it, by like the Muppets, like that quality of puppet. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. That would be hey good. there, <laughs> my name's Baloo. <laughs> I, I genuinely think though that Muppets is preferable to CGI. I don't think CGI animals talking really works. It's, always... When they're cartoons, it's great because they're like really expressive and everything. But when they try and make it look like an actual animal, mm, animals there's... can't express it. They haven't got the muscles. And there's always... Well, I don't fully agree with you there. Cats and dogs are very good at facial expressions. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Like A lot of animals just aren't equipped. <laughs> they're not equipped for acting, are they? <laughs> animals, stop <laughs> trying to act. Cut! 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 <laughs> um, anyway... Mowgli was raised in the jungle by wolves. Now, can you get any more puppy training techniques than that? Good point. Who, to be fair, have taught him valuable things like respecting authority and following the law of the jungle. But as a result, he's kind of stuck between two worlds. He's not quite a beast of the jungle, but he's not really a man either. He doesn't fit in anywhere. Do you want that for your child? To be stuck halfway between the life of a man and the life of a dog? Chasing balls and sticks in the park, but more at home with obedient dogs than unruly children at school. Also pooing in the park. Pooing in the park. Well, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I've got. That's, then, uh, as I said, it would be short, short and sweet, Jungle Book. So um, I kind of want to big up the benefits of a highly trained child. Yeah. And so I am using 2010's Kick-Ass. Or Kick-Ass? What would you say? Mm, what would you say? Yeah, I would say Kick-Ass, but it's not really, is it? Kick-Ass. It's Kick-Ass. Yeah. Written um, by Jonathan Ross's wife. Was it really? Yeah. Well, not the comic, though. Co-written. Um, anyway, so um, directed by Matthew Vaughan. It's based on comic books. Specifically, not going through too much of the overall plot, I'm going to talk about Hit-Girl. Mm, Chloe Grace Moretz. Chloe Grace Moretz. Very young at the time. Nothing I looked at says how old she is. Um, not Chloe Grace Moretz, but Hit Girl. But she's like, what, 10, would you say? Yeah, or early teens at most. Yeah. but She still looks pretty much the same, doesn't she? They might say her age, innit? Because I remember there's a bit where she... there's They live stream something, don't they? And I'm mm. sorry if I'm ruining what you're going to say. No, you're but, not, no, no, no. Uh, when like, her dad is kidnapped. Maybe in yeah. Kick-Ass 2, this might be. Well, he but... dies in Kick-Ass 1, so it's probably oh, not. Well, <laughs> Spoiler! Spoilers! Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, he's like... Uh, I think he's kidnapped. She, They live stream them saving them. Mm. And someone watching it, one of their geeky friends back at the comic book store says, I'm in love with that girl. And... One of his mates goes, she's like 10 or something. Mm, yeah. So they might say her age and he goes, I don't care. I'll wait for her. <laughs> <laughs> I think 10 sounds about right. So you think about this girl's 10 years old, but um, just sort of some of her backstory. Before she was born, her dad was a famous NYPD police officer and he was framed for dealing drugs by gangsters. Um, and he's, the played, he's played by Nicolas Cage, isn't he? He is. So that's an yeah. instant plus He's point. basically the Punisher, isn't he? Yeah, sort of, yeah. Well, all right. Moving on to Liam's spoiler. Um, <laughs> well, no, just because just John Wick the Punisher is yeah. wrote in, hasn't he? Um, he serves five years in prison and is grief-stricken because his wife commits suicide while she's pregnant with hit girl, uh, Mindy, her actual name is, I believe. Um, but the doctor saved Mindy and she's fostered by another police officer until Nicolas Cage, or her dad, comes out of prison. And then when she comes out of prison, he decides he wants to seek revenge by taking down the mob, the Genovese uh, family mafia in New York. And instead of like protecting his daughter from this, he decides to bring her along for the ride. Lad. Lad. <laughs> so he trains his 10-year-old to be a um, stone-cold killer with martial arts and weapons discipline. So she uses like nunchucks, knives, swords, guns. Um, he also regularly shoots her in the chest while she's wearing a bulletproof vest to oh, train yeah. her to take a bullet. Yeah, I remember that scene. Yeah. I actually really liked these I really liked the film, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he trains her to be a disciple of death, basically, at does 10 years old. She, does she get paid for all this? I don't know. I think he, like, room and board, at least. 
Yeah. I, I reckon, you know. When you're a child, Liam, you have to earn your keep. Well, I get it. Like, you know, you're a single father and you've got a lot of work on. And it makes so sense to include your, to your child, child. In, yeah. with your work. But you'd think you should get a bit of compensation. So in the in the film, so they form the vigilante team Big Daddy, Nicolas Cage, and Hit Girl. I was I, I kind of remember Hit Girl having loads of really cool quotes. Mm. But the only I one... I remember she says the C word. Yeah. So she goes, okay, you c**t, let's see what you can do now. Which is really cool coming from a 10-year-old. Yeah. So Hit Girl's training allows her, with the help of kick-ass ass a little bit to bring down the entire Genovese crime family in New York which is one of the five families of the Mafia so highly trained children can be very effective at the thing you're training for (laughs) so you're arguing in favour of puppy training techniques yeah take it to the next level (laughs) bring in the nunchucks how often do you train your puppy to use nunchucks well she's very good with them she is we'd strap her to her tail make her really happy and she just kills everything (laughs) kills everything in tail distance (laughs) I got a problem someone's exploiting me I'm not a pop star just can't speak properly but they keep recording me quit it dear agony heart could you please help me Right, should we move on to problem two? Yeah. We're remodeling our house and my wife wants a boiling water tap. It costs £1,000. We don't even drink tea. Why would someone need this? You can get a kettle for a fiver in works. By the way, that was in the problem. That wasn't me saying <laughs> why would anyone need this. So uh, who makes a nice cup of tea or boils things? Um, Mrs. Doyle. Mrs. Doyle. Tea, father. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. Would you we, have a cup? Before we get into any advice, can I can I just ask, who doesn't drink tea? I don't, I don't drink, drink tea. tea. What is wrong with both of you? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he thought he'd get yeah, universal 66% of people here do not drink tea. Can I, allow me to summarise the benefits of drinking black tea. Health, oh. Healthline.com did an did a article about this, right? Listen to these. Evidence-based reasons. This is what they call them. I can't believe he's doing this. No. <laughs> Did you got, know? He's got a list before he's even going into any problem solving. <laughs> Did you know that Healthline.com? Yeah. No, I've said that already. Did you know that black tea has antioxidant properties? How often do you sit there thinking, I wish I had more antioxidants? Well, now Why don't can. I want oxygen, oxidants? Yeah. Because well, you want fine, to decrease you. your risk. Decrease your risk of chronic disease. (laughs) Chronic disease. Increase your risk. (laughs) Um, In Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Frank says, Frank, who is played by Danny DeVito, blue is all the best food. It's got the most antioxidants. (laughs) As well as that, there's 10 things here. I'm going to go through them very quickly. Oh, for God's sake. Black tea may boost your heart health. It may lower cholesterol. It may improve gut health. Yeah, all of these mays are so fucking... (laughs) It may help reduce blood pressure. It may help reduce risk of stroke. It may lower your blood sugar. Did I say that already? I feel like I did. Um, Which is sometimes good, sometimes bad. Depends if you've got diabetes. It may go down the wrong hole and drown you, and then you die. (laughs) It may (laughs) reduce your risk of cancer. It may improve focus. And the last evidence-based fact that Healthline.com give you is that it's easy to make. (laughs) There are two things that I want to say about what you just said. In fact, three things. One is shut the fuck up. (laughs) Two is I don't go on healthline.com because they insist on having cookies. If you They do, don't they? They really annoy me. always do. They say, welcome to that cookie-free version of Healthline, which is like a text file with nothing in it. (laughs) It just says, you have cancer. (laughs) And three, 100% of people who have drunk tea have died. So... (laughs) Yes, I've, I've but, got one thing to say. All of those benefits also come from whiskey. So, Carl, have you got any <laughs> advice for Miss Doyle? I think I have, Miss, Mrs. Doyle. I want to tell you that sometimes things 
aren't what they seem. It might seem like a thousand pound kettle, mm. but it doesn't mean that doesn't bring with it some benefits. So I'm going to reach for the stars, S Club 7 style, <laughs> and say... S Club film. So anyway, this is I think this is a film, one of those films that Liam knows a lot about. One of the few in his repertoire. What, S Club 7? No, Men in Black, 1997. Oh, Men in Black, let's go. Have we done this before? No, I searched the entire... <laughs> I think we've no. mentioned it yeah, in we passing. Have. But... It's been noted on the talked about yeah. list. Mm. Uh, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Now, this is where bad CGI is not so bad, really, because you expect it to be bad in something like Men in Black at the time. Oh, I watched them probably a couple of years ago, and I didn't think it was that bad. Is, is it really much? bad? No, it's not, well, it's not terrible. Like, I don't uh, remember thinking, oh, this is shit, but mm. because of the time... It's yeah. now because they're trying so hard. It makes you think, mm, that looks mm. bad. Was there much CGI? I don't remember. What, a giant cockroach? <laughs> I thought they were used a real cockroach. <laughs> no, but is it, is it computer generated? I don't, I don't remember the scene very well. The trouble is... I'm pretty sure. The big, biggest problem with this film is that mm. cockroaches can't act. <laughs> Stop trying to act, cockroaches. Water. Water. Sugar water. Sugar. And that what? guy... Mm. Is Kingpin. <laughs> this has come up before, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, what? <laughs> yeah. Carry on. So Carry it's on. a really good film of the time. I haven't seen it for years. It's one of those ones that you think we saw so much, I don't really want to return to it, but I might do one day. Interestingly, do you remember when Sony, I think it was Sony, leaked, there was a massive leak of all their emails? No. Well, in those leaked emails, they were planning to do a crossover of 21 Jump Street, Your Men in Black. Really? Yeah. Which I think <laughs> would have been sick. I would yeah. love that, yeah. Jonah Hill in... Men in Black Yeah, and Channing Tatum, yeah. Men in Black. So anyway, like the, the kind of, um, without going through the whole plot of Men in Black, the subplot bubbling under is uh, Will Smith or Jay joins MIB and it's kind of old and stuffy. You've got Tommy Lee Jones like, okay. Like, <laughs> no, that's Little John. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> in their like funeral suits and you know everything's they've got an old Lincoln Continental I think it is and it's all a bit stuffy so Jay wants to like you know mix it up a little bit and so he's like yeah this, you know he's doing he's basically being Will Smith in a film in every single film he's in mm. and um, the bit that reminds me of this problem or where I went to in my weird little world is that uh, when they go into the armory and they're choosing weapons and uh, Tommy Lee gets a really big gun Mm. and oh, then yeah, Will yeah. Smith picks a big gun and yeah, he says yeah. what, is, what does he say when he picks the big gun there's a funny line I can't remember cut, yeah, can't cut. Remember. sounds great <laughs> uh, but, so he thinks I'm going to get a really sick gun and he ends up getting the tiny gun cricket. called a yeah. cricket yeah but and, it's actually really powerful and it's actually like causes explosions <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> so the point my point I'm trying to make in a roundabout way is that you might think this is shit oh, but okay, it might be really is, effective oh okay yeah <laughs> I feel like Men in Black is one of those films that Really didn't need a sequel. No, like they wrap it up so nicely, don't they? It's like it's such a good self-contained story. And what has always annoyed me is that they wrap it up where he does bring it into like the twentieth century, if you like, and they're wearing different suits, different sunglasses, different car. Then Men in Black Two is all that's all reversed, and they're back to stuffy old Men mm. in Black. Yeah, so that's me. Right. Yeah. So after my initial reaction, that may or may not have been entirely helpful, it struck me, Mrs. Doyle, that. We are living in a material world, and I think your wife might just be a material girl. You know. 1984, of course, I'm talking about Madonna. Material girl. Big tune. Big tune. You all know this one, I assume. Yep. Did you know Vogue, Vogue, who Vogue. produced it? Uh, Timberland. Uh, <laughs> Quincy Jones. <laughs> Niall Rogers. In fact, no, he was Rogers. on um, Niall Rogers fame. The first episode of the new series, Never Mind the Buzzcocks, which we spoke about, you didn't like, I don't think. Uh, it's just, just, no, it's okay. Niall Rogers with some cracking stories. He had a heart attack 16 times in one night, apparently. <laughs> he had 16 I always heart think attacks stories like that are a bit exaggerated <laughs> for fame purposes, though, you know, like. He didn't have a single heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was last night. Oh, so good. I had 16 heart attacks. <laughs> um, lyrics. Of material girl at first seem pretty awful. Um, kind of all about they're very similar to No Scrubs. I don't like No Scrubs because the ve- the whole gist of it is. I thought you were doing do the chorus. If you ain't got money, I don't want anything to do with you. Mm. Got to have a job if you wanna be with me. No Scrubs. No <laughs> scrubs. No no. Scrubs. Um, but and this is a very important but. 
the song was Material Girl was always intended to be ironic. Don't you think? They say. And this is too ironic. I really do think. This is kind of evidenced by the video in which Madonna portrays an actress who plays a very materialistic character while being filmed. Mm. But the actress that she's playing, it's a bit confusing because she's playing an actress who's playing someone else, but the actress she's playing is a bit more down to earth. And once the camera stopped rolling, she ends up choosing the guy who bought her flowers over the guy who bought her a very expensive diamond necklace Mm. because she loves him. Oh, she learns. Yeah, she chooses true love. character arc. Exactly. And in an interview with Rolling Stone in 2009... Rolling Stone again. Yeah, bastards. (laughs) On the subject of... Please don't read out the list. (laughs) (laughs) On the subject of list of Madonna's favourite Madonna songs. (laughs) Uh, Like a Virgin and Material Girl, she said, I like them both because they were ironic and provocative at the same time, but also unlike me. I am not a materialistic person and I certainly wasn't a virgin. Did you go on holiday? It would have been so nice. (laughs) Um, But the media, either intentionally or accidentally, misinterpreted this. And they, for a long time, referred to her as the material girl, Madonna. And she really didn't like that. uh, To the point where she said multiple times that she regrets recording the song. And she wouldn't have done it if she knew that's how it would have turned out. So, how is that relevant? I hear you cry. (laughs) As always. I mean, I'm improving. Um, I'm getting to the point quicker. Yeah. (laughs) This Um, is record time. Have you noticed? It's only been 20 minutes. (laughs) Have you noticed that I no longer summarise full plots? But Liam uses the time that I decided to save. (laughs) No, you use Liam's time that you decided to save by interrupting me. (laughs) He summarises the plots of four minute music videos in eight minutes. (laughs) So later in that same interview, though, Madonna elaborated on her own perceived materialism and she said, I feel lucky to be able to afford a Frida Kahlo painting or live in a nice house, but I know that I can live without it. I'm resourceful and if I ended up in a log cabin in the middle of the forest, that would work too. These things are not mandatory for my happiness. And I'm agreeing with what you said, Carl, and I think it's an interesting point. It is possible to treat yourself to expensive things once in a while and not be materialistic. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. I'm glad that's where you come to with this, because I was going to retort you. (laughs) So, you know, maybe this tap is a luxury, but maybe also have a think about the last time you did treat yourself to something as swish as that, and think about how easy it would be to make all the tea you're going to be drinking. And pasta. And and the pasta. Don't forget the pasta. Bloody love pasta. What if he doesn't drink tea? Oh, yeah, he doesn't. He will drink tea. because he's sorry. Yeah, sorry, Mr. The odds are she doesn't. Because 66% of people in this room don't. Anecdotal evidence, can't use it. <laughs> Not a big enough sample size. Exactly. <laughs> Statistically insignificant. Um, Let's double the sample. Does your wife drink tea, Aaron? Yeah, she does. Does your wife drink tea? Yes, yeah, she does. Mine doesn't. So what does that take us to? 50-50. Oh, it's hot <laughs> up. So once Mrs Doyle hears about all of the fact, evidence-based benefits of, of drinking black tea and whiskey, <laughs> she'll be well up for it. So... You're both saying, if you've got the money, you might as well. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm probably going to be rebutting that. Retorting. Retorting. Is retorting a thing? Did I make that up? Yeah, retortal (laughs) evolves into blastoise. (laughs) (laughs) When does a retortal become a rebuttal? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know the technicalities. It's about three (laughs) o'clock. Um. And I'm going to do this with the help of The Dinosaur Artist by Paige Williams. It's a book that I've read. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this tells the story. This is a non-fiction book which tells the story of Eric Procopi, who smuggled a Mongolian dinosaur skeleton, a Tyrannosaurus batar, into the US and tried to sell it at auction only to be made an example of when the Mongolian government decided to take legal action to get it back. This is a true story, is it? True story, non-fiction. You really like these um, obscure, like like the butterfly chronicles. This is um, the feather thief. (laughs) This is, I went on a spree of reading these. I also read The Orchid Thief (laughs) and... Uh, mate, I'm going to save up the Orchid Thief, try and mention it in a future problem. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's like natural history thieves <laughs> as a subgenre. Is there is there a section in Waterstones that I can find? Natural <laughs> <laughs> history thieves. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about the ethics of collecting dinosaur bones first. Um, it's legal to sell them if you find dinosaur bones in your la- on your land if you're in the United States. Now, I'm not 
a lawyer, so don't trust 100% of anything. What's, what's I the mum's name? I'm not a lawyer. It's. don't know. I N L A. I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not lawyer N. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I N A L. I know. Oh, I love that. I love, <laughs> I love a bit of I know in the morning. <laughs> so, if you find dinosaur bones on your property in the US, it's legal to sell them privately. Elsewhere, legality varies. In the UK, I think. You have to offer them to the government first. You can't just sell them. Um, I'm unlikely to find dinosaur bones in my garden anyway, but just in case. In Mongolia, it's illegal to remove them from the country. And it goes into a bit of detail about this in the book, but that is because the Gobi Desert is probably the richest source of dinosaur bones in the whole world. It's full of them, but it's not really full of them anymore because it was plundered by loads of people years ago so mongolia now are like you're not allowed to take them out of the country now a lot of these dinosaur bones a lot like the feather thief you'll remember i spoke about how people idiots say oh these have no scientific value why are they holding them all we should have them for fucking fly fishing um they would have scientific value if they were untouched by private hands but these people dig up dinosaur bones clean them up you know sand them down and shit they mount them. They do a number of things that devalue them. Not not mounting like that. <laughs> Would you hump a dinosaur bone? <laughs> Depends how sexy it was. Oh, I've got a dinosaur bone. <laughs> they devalue them scientifically, these things. So, you know, it's this constant butting heads of science and private collectors. Private collectors argue, actually, that a lot of scientific breakthroughs have been made because of them. So they should be celebrated, not blamed for, you know, the lack of them. And as I say, this was all arguments that were made in the feather thief as well by kirk wallace johnson we talked about that in season season two episode 11 the butterfly chronicles yeah <laughs> the butterfly chronicles yep uh eric procopi spent every penny of his money on dinosaur bones sometimes even money he didn't have and even when he made money selling one of the skeletons he'd cleaned up and mounted and there is some big money to be made there by the way nicholas cage bought a Tyrannosaurus skull for $276,000 in 2007, which had also been removed from the Gobi Desert illegally, and which he has also now returned to Mongolia. We bought the Tyrannosaurus skull during a time when he had 15 mansions, two castles, four yachts, and nine Rolls Royces. I think he might have been addicted to spending money. (laughs) Yeah. Two castles? Castles, yeah. yeah. (laughs) In the UK, in the UK, I think, yeah. Which anyway. one did it go to? Just... Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's funny because we're talking about excess and spending and that's uh, that's an extreme... That's what killed water. the dinosaurs off. <laughs> <laughs> malls. Shopping malls everywhere. So, uh, Eric Procopi, not Nicolas Cage, even when he made money selling one of these skeletons that he cleaned up and mounted, he would just clear some of his bills and then just spend the rest on more bones to clean up and mount and sell. That's just business, though. Yeah. Speculate to but accumulate. It's a big outlay. Lots of risk. It's not like buying stock. When you don't you know you're going to find any more buyers. products to sell yeah. or, or buyers yeah. to buy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're smuggling, because this is illegal smuggling of bones out of Mongolia. This one would have been a big payout for Eric. I think he expected from this sale over a million dollars. Anyway, that's all about the dinosaur bones, but... As well as, as well as being about that, this book is about the story of people who live beyond their means, really. To quote from the book, The Procopies now owned a long, goosenecked cargo trailer, a Ford F-550 truck, and a flat-bottomed boat, even though Eric rarely hunt, hunted in rivers anymore. Amanda drove an, a Lexus SUV with a leather interior. They took out another line of credit via a wraparound mortgage while also owing some 60 grand on Bank of America credit cards nearly 20 grand on a capital 1 card over 15 grand in federal income tax and more than 533,000 on real estate their overall minimum monthly payments exceeded $7,000 with finance charges piling up their bank account held $55 one minute 100 grand the next then in february amanda had to be temporarily hospitalized with what they worried was meningitis and more charges accumulated so they kind of, they buy things, but they haven't quite got the money for them. They're constantly, as you said, Carl, speculating. They're thinking, you know, we're going to make a lot of money on this, so we'll spend more money here and stuff. 
But then the shit hits the fan and Eric gets in big trouble for having this kind of being made an example of. A lot of people were smuggling bones out of Mongolia, but he gets made an example of because he's got a big skeleton that's worth a lot of money. Big bones. He's got a big bone. And people don't like people that have big bones. They get jealous, <laughs> as I know. Uh, so that shit hits the fan. They're in even more financial trouble. They start selling their shit, but it doesn't look like they're going to raise enough money. They hadn't paid their mortgage for months, but still, it doesn't read like they had any financial sense. Quote from Amanda, Eric's wife. It's not like we murdered someone, she kept saying. People might think we're living this luxurious, wealthy life, but we made that life for ourselves. We didn't have a Ford F-550 with a $1,500 payment every month because we wanted to show off. We had to pull a heavy trailer. I like nice things, but I'd rather eat off the appetizers list because it's cheaper. We're not crazy throw money in the air, people. We had a few luxuries, sure. Like taking my friends to the Bahamas. I can't, I can't, you can't say you built a life when it's all on credit, though, can you? Exactly, and... We had a few luxuries, like taking all my friends on holiday. <laughs> to the Bahamas that as well. Is, it's not cheap, is that it? That is a luxury that I have, like, I don't live beyond my means, and yet I still would never take any of you <laughs> on holiday and pay for you to go. You're a prick. <laughs> and then a, another quote from the book, when they're setting bail for Eric. Uh, so he got arrested for this smuggling? Yes. He got arrested, and he was made an example of, as I say. Like, most people just, they took the bones back or whatever, but the Mongolian government basically pressed charges against him. Um, not guilty, Eric pleaded. Should the defendant be jailed while awaiting trial? Well, he's a flight risk, the prosecution argued. After all, Prokopi had international contacts and the means to make quick off-the-books money. He's got $1,500 in the bank and 700 in cash, the judge, res- judge responded, to which Martin Bell, the prosecutor, said, Yeah but he's sitting on about half a million dollars worth of dinosaurs. Was this a casual conversation? It sounds like it was I think bail conversations are a lot like that anyway. Yeah. They kind of make arguments for why it should be high and why it shouldn't in very conversational tones. Anyway, in the end, as I'm sure you'd expect under all this strain, their marriage crumbled and even the divorce was expensive for Eric Prokopi. Quote, Eric got the John boat and the flat bottom boat plus an old Toyota truck and the box truck. Amanda got the 2011 Toyota Camry, which they'd bought after selling the Lexus. They hoped to sell Serenola, which was their house, for over a million dollars. Under the terms of the agreement, Amanda would receive 60% of the proceeds and Eric the rest after their legal expenses were paid. The house ultimately fetched 575000 The court ordered Eric to pay 2000 a month in child support and 500 in alimony, plus 75% of the children's medical expenses. Everything was expensive for him and... They were living beyond their means and he even lost that million pound dinosaur in the end, million dollar dinosaur, because it was taken back to Mongolia. And the point is that if you're not on the same page about money and you don't compromise and make sure you're always in agreement about how you're managing family money, it will only end in disaster. That is the whole point of everything I've just said in about 20 minutes. It's very interesting. I enjoyed it. The only problem and the only thing that damages that point for me is that it wasn't the money troubles that destroyed their marriage. And it does seem like they were on the same page about that because they (laughs) they both seem to be people who wanted to live beyond Mm. their means. So get independent financial advice. (laughs) Yeah, the real problem for them was that Eric slept with his new assistant. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, But the point still stands. If you decide to spend your money on a £1,000 hot water tap, make sure you both agree on it. So I'm sort of I'm sort of agreeing with you two, really, mm. aren't I? Like, if you have got the money and you do agree on it, then you, yeah, sure thing, just do it. Mm. But I'm saying kind of take a step back. It doesn't sound like you're on the same page at the moment because one of you took the trouble of writing into an Agony Aunt podcast. Yeah. I had a dream, it was a curious thing. A wonderful podcast presenter's problem solved for me. When I awoke, all I could find was agony All right, let's move on to problem three. When I talk about holidays with my friends, they always want to go somewhere interesting with things to see and do. I want to sit in the sun, drip with sweat, and drink beer until I pass out. I don't know what Machu Picchu is, but it sounds shit. Shall I just go to, on holiday on my own? Uh, okay, who goes on holiday? Madonna? 
It would be so nice. Let's do it. Madonna, Madge. we've got answers for you. And we've overrun on both the problems so far, so I'm just going to dive straight in and be as quick as possible. You're asking if you should just go on holiday on your own, Madonna. I think you should go on holiday with them, film yourself moaning about it, and maybe you'll become a famous YouTuber. Is there precedent for this? There is precedent. Carl Pilkington, star of TV Ah. show An Idiot Abroad and friend of comedians Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, has carved quite the career out of doing just that. There's a selection of books by him. And I'm going to give you the names of those books with just a single quote from each one. And that's why I'm going to be as quick as possible. An Idiot Abroad, The Travel Diaries of Carl Pilkington. Quote, it's interesting to see that people had so much clutter even thousands of years ago. The only way to get rid of it all was to bury it. And then some archaeologists went and dug it all up. (laughs) (laughs) Happy slapped by a jellyfish. The words of Carl Pilkington. Normally, you can't hear your own voice because you're talking over it. (laughs) (laughs) The further adventures of an idiot abroad. Quote, Neighbourhood watch, to me, is checking my neighbours aren't outside their house before I leave the flat to avoid getting into long discussions. I can relate to that one. (laughs) (laughs) The moaning of life. The worldly wisdom of Carl Pilkington. Kids are like farts in that way. They never seem to bother the owner as much as they bother everyone else. <laughs> so that's Carl Pilkington. Four books there by Carl Pilkington, and you could carve out a career like his. Now, I think it's possible and probable, actually, that he's just playing a character. But mm. I think he does it quite well, and I still find him quite funny because, you know, he says his character is playing, he's saying the kind of the reactions that we have to stuff. That's nonsense. Yeah. Stuff like that. So I think he's, you know, he's probably playing a character but you know he does it well and if you did too madonna then you might just make the same amount of money out of going to exotic places with your friends and moaning a lot i've read the first idiot board book and it actually really annoys i think machu picchu's in it where he gets like 80 percent of the way and he can see it in the distance but can't be asked to go the rest of the way he's like no i'm going home and they're like what you'd like you're just there he's like no i don't want to go i'll see it what's the point (laughs) and that actually made me think you're such a (laughs) (laughs) yeah hmm well, I'll dive in, and um, and uh, this reminded me straight away of a scene from In Between Us to the movie. That's uh, the Australian one, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so they're in a hostel. It's uh, 2014. Um, you're set in Australia, standing in a hostel, and there's your classic pretentious travellers there as well. And there's one particular guy called Ben who has uh, dreadlocks, and Simon sums it up. Simon, no, Will sums it up and sums up my feeling about people that like are like oh you really got to go see the world man do you know he says uh so will uh the background to this scene is that he the girl he's trying to get with wants him to play a song around the campfire so he plays um the first time yeah ever I saw your yeah, face. I saw you. <laughs> yeah and um, i think she says it's interesting or shit or something like that i can't remember exactly what she says so um so Will, this is Will speaking. Playing a guitar badly, wearing bees, talking about one love, and pretending you are friends with Central American villagers who, by the way, despise you. Before heading back to your parents' five-bedroom house in Surrey, doesn't make you a spiritual person. It makes you a bell end. <laughs> uh, ben says, "Oh, I think you're right about his song, Katie. Assuming like the song wasn't very good." Will says, "Oh, fuck off, Ben. You don't believe in song lines any more than I do. It's just a way for you to seem interesting to girls because deep down, you know, you're boring and pretentious like your stupid fucking dreadlocks. Which, by the way, always look embarrassing on white people. They're not countercultural. They actually scream, "Oh, I've got a trust fund. Get a normal haircut, you unbearable prick." <laughs> Uh, so I think you should have a rant to your friends. <laughs> Just shout at them. <laughs> Let them know who's boss. Let them know what you think. And then go and sun yourself in Benidorm. 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 And mm. watch about eight series of Benidorm on Netflix. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and then um, Friday Night Dinner, which I really liked. Yeah. With Will in it. Yeah. Who's not Will. Yeah. But basically is. <laughs> but basically is. Basically the same character, yeah. <laughs> Minus the briefcase. His name is Simon in real life, isn't it? So that's a bit confusing. Simon Bird, yeah, yeah that's what mm. I've got, yeah. I think I can relate to both both of the holiday ideas here because I do like seeing things and learning about stuff, but I also really like doing nothing. <laughs> and learning about nothing. <laughs> But like, I can quite happily sit on a beach all day, maybe read a book and just sit there and be like, yeah, this is nice. Don't have to do anything, you know. When I do go away, I have a holiday playlist. I thought it might be fun to play a little 
See if you can name any of the songs on my holiday playlist game. According to VH1. According to VH1 and Rolling Stone. <laughs> Top uh, 15 annoying holiday songs. I'll give songs. you a clue. It's really easy. All right. Um, holiday, Madonna. Yep. Oh. Holiday, Green Day. Ah, oh, I should have put that on there. It's not on there. <laughs> uh, holiday, Dizzy Rascal. Yep. The song that goes, ha, 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 holiday. It's actually Hideaway, I think, actually, not Hideaway. Hideaway, yeah. <laughs> that one's Hideaway. not on there. No. <laughs> holiday by Vampire Weekend, not sure if you know that one. Uh, uh, Dreadlock Holiday, 10cc. Holiday in Chingy. As in, hotel. Oh, no. Tell. Uh, well, that bit is in it because what you doing now and chilling at the Holiday Inn? Uh, what you going to do? No. <laughs> uh, the only other one I was going to mention was Summer Holiday, Cliff Richard. Oh. Who... Did you know that he's stopped, but only a couple of years ago, posing topless for photos? How that was, and it was big news. He I'm really it. upset about that. <laughs> 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 I just imagine Carl at home on his phone going... Oh! <laughs> As he's buffering slowly. God, yeah. Oh, Woody Jumper. <laughs> One other song on the list, on the playlist, is uh, Club Tropicana, of course. Treats are free. Yeah, massive classic holiday jam, would you agree? Massive classic holiday jam. Uh, always puts me in mind of a relaxing day on the beach uh, with a nice ice cold pina colada. Would you be surprised to learn that Club Tropicana is actually a satire. Uh, yes. I'll be surprised to learn that you got to the point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was apparently a satire of uh, Club 18 to 30. Now, I didn't know much about Club 18 to 30. I imagine you two knew everything about it. Yeah, we were massive back then. Yeah, Butlins. <laughs> butlins. <laughs> Do George Michael was singing about Butlins? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, Camilla... Raimajdo, um, probably not how you say your name. Sorry, Camilla, if you're listening. Wrote about Club 18 to 30 for Vice.com in 2019 article. Sex, sun, beds, sorry. Sex, sun, beds and Brits abroad. The legacy of Club 18 to 30 holidays. Mm. And it started way back in 1968. Um, and it sent primarily single working class Brits to places like Ibiza, Mallorca, Ayanapa, All of the classic party locations that we all grew to know and love. Mm. Uh, and it was all about sun, sea, and sex, and sometimes mm. suspicious parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Vice.com interviewed a few people that have been there and done it. Uh, one of the boys described it as a lad's holiday on steroids. A couple of girls described their experiences. One of them said, we'd be crammed into coaches drinking cheap shots of snaps. Schnaps. Schnaps. She was Sean Connery. Yeah. And then taken to Barsh. <laughs> <laughs> Where we had to eat bananas out of men's pants. Sounds lovely. The other, uh, one of the other girls said you'd have to pass an orange to someone using your chin or pop a balloon using someone's balls. Yeah. <laughs> My if, balls cannot pop a balloon, I don't think. Any documentary, like usually like BBC Three quality documentary um, that I've seen about 18 to 30 just makes me think, I think watching this is giving me an STD. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that emphasis on sex wasn't just like anecdotal it was in 1995 they worked it into their marketing there were two notable slogans one of them was it's not all sex 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 there's a bit of sun and sea in there as well <laughs> the other one was quite shocking be up at the crack of dawn or julie or dot 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 <laughs> <laughs> ah, that is... we have moved a long way in the past 30 yeah. years to, we? to be fair to the general public in 1995 they were quite outraged about this as well they were oh, like okay there were counter activities people complaining about it there was like a graffiti campaign in Manchester basically saying it's terrible and all that <laughs> spray spray <laughs> spraying on someone's garage door that advert's terrible <laughs> and all that <laughs> and uh, it started to go downhill at this point for club 18 to 30 um, and George Michael put the final nail in that coffin <laughs> well, yeah, in in 1986, <laughs> nine years earlier. Oh, he put the first nail in. <laughs> so, one of the girls from the interview continued, we got put in a hotel with these lads who spent the whole holiday trying to sleep with our group. They said they were 21, but when we got home, we found out they were all about 28 or 29. <gasps> Shock. And <laughs> most, most of them were married with kids. Okay, that part is quite shocking. Yeah. Uh, our promoter had all the girls he'd ever slept with tattooed on 
on a, in a list on his ass, going all the way down his leg, and he kept asking if I'd like to add my name. How embarrassing. Terrible. What is wrong with that man? Eventually. Loads of things, probably. Yeah, gonorrhea. That's, yeah, that's probably just scratching the surface, yeah. and you don't want to scratch the surface. Grime. Scratching the surface of grime. Eventually, in 2018, took that long. Thomas Crook, who uh, Thomas Crook, <laughs> Thomas Crook, Thomas Cook, who owned the brand. <laughs> is that Ooh, a Freudian slip? Yeah, is that like a deep cutting satire? This Thomas, is, have I got news for you? <laughs> Thomas Crook, am I right? <laughs> They are bust now, actually, they? <laughs> Thomas Cook cited changing consumer tastes as a reason for ending it in 2018. I think in 2019 they actually went bust. Mm. So, actually, they should why. have carried on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah, the next time you hear Club Tropicana, you can think about all that and see if it changes your perception of the song. Mm. But what's the advice? I hear you ask. I thought you were about to move on to the, another song then. <laughs> but that's not what I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> Good backstory. So... Uh, well, I listened to Club Tropicana, and that was really interesting, but I'm not sure if there was really much advice. Uh, but maybe there is some classic advice here you can think about, which is, as long as you're not being a creepy weirdo like the guy with the arse tattoo and ruining other people's good time, then you should be able to enjoy your holiday the way that you want to, and going on holiday on your own might not be the worst idea in the world, to be honest, if you don't think you'll be too lonely and will enjoy it. You can find your own Club Tropicana, uh, where the drinks are free, and there's enough fun and sunshine for everyone, and you can make... Some new friends who appreciate your style of holiday making. Why not do that? Goes to an all-inclusive is what you're saying. The drinks aren't yeah. free, but you've already paid for them. Yeah. Because you paid yeah, for them. Prepaid. The, the yeah. drinks are free. So Madonna, go to Club Tropicana. All right, great. I hope we helped you, uh, Madonna. Uh, so I think that's all we've got time for. In fact, we've probably massively overrun. So lads, if you had to recommend one book, film or song from today's recommendations, what would you recommend? I'll go with... Kick-Ass Ass. Kick-Ass Ass. Yeah. Good film. I would say watch the music video of Crash Test Dummies. Mm-hmm. And then watch the music video of Weird Al Yankovic's Headline News, which is his parody of the, parody of the song. Uh, it's very clever. They're pretty much frame-perfect replicas of the song, just oh. with, you know, stupid Al, Weird Al Yankovic stuff in it as well. Do you remember Crash Test Dummy Toys? Yes, we yeah. I love them. And they would have like a button that exploded the whole thing. <laughs> I absolutely love them. Um, yeah. I love them, but my parents never got me any. Oh, yeah. I great! You should come round. Great. <laughs> you still got them? No. <laughs> well, I'm not coming round then. It's going to be shit <laughs> to, to cry about it together. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to recommend the Jungle Book most today because it's you know it's a nice little story and actually, although I actually read. The Dinosaur Artist, and that's a rarity for <laughs> books that I recommend. It actually drags on too long, and there isn't enough of the story about the actual guy she's supposed to be writing about, so not a huge recommendation there for me. Cool, so uh, listen to those things, watch those things, read those things, and that's all we've got time for today, so check out the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to all the songs. If you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. I would like to thank our resident Agony Aunts for their contributions. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Carl. You're welcome. Thank you. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. See ya. Thank you very much. Bye. Goodbye. But I'd suggest keep it light Cause their advice can be shite And they won't be held liable Oh no, not at all Not here at Agony Art